0: Miracy.
1: So the people who are good at delegating ask a very simple question when a mistake is made. They ask, what did we learn? And they don't let it go until the people that are working with said this is what we learn and it sounds like it's real.
0: Hello, I'm Melinda Cohen, and you're listening to Just Between Coaches. I run a business called The Coaches Console, and we're proud to have helped over 50,000 entrepreneurs in creating profitable coaching businesses. In this podcast, I explore difficult coaching conversations together with other coaches and the business challenges we may face from time to time. I launched my coaching business back in 2004, even before I finished my coaching training. And I also have a profound love for systems. I cannot even conceive of running a successful business without solid processes to make it work. And growing your business can feel daunting. You might need to hire people, and that puts you in a position of delegating, which often isn't as easy as it may sound. My guest today grew his first business from one part-time employee to 90 employees. He's a serial entrepreneur and founder of Sustainable Business, Stage 2 Planning, and Ask Josh Patrick. He's also the author of two business books, an experienced blogger, and a host for the podcasts Cracking the Cash Flow Code. I've invited Josh Patrick to today's discussion. Now, as a business owner, Josh Patrick knows how challenging running a business can be. His passion in life is helping private business owners create extraordinary value with their businesses and their lives. And he has personally experienced the isolation and frustration that come with knowing that your business could be better, but not knowing how to get it there. And one part is knowing when to delegate. Welcome,
1: Josh. Thanks so much, Melinda. Really fun to be here. I'm very excited.
0: Well, I'm excited to have you on the show and talk about this topic because it's one of these topics that For the entrepreneurs that I talk to, they so most want, and they're often most nervous by this topic. But before we get into it, would you share just a little bit of how you got to where you are today, like coaching and mentoring other business owners?
1: Sure. Well, I ran my first business, which you mentioned grew from one to 90 people, and I was in the food service and vending company. We fed people in factories, and unfortunately, the industry had degraded to such a point where It wasn't practical for us to stay in anymore. So I sold that business at the end of 1995, joined a national life insurance company in 1996. And lo and behold, when you join a life insurance company, guess what they want you to do? They want you to sell life insurance, except that in the life of a private business owner, life insurance is not the most important thing they want to talk about. They want to talk about a whole host of other things. So I felt it was best for me to move on. I opened my own wealth management firm in 1997. I'm in the process, actually, of transferring ownership of that right now. So I can focus on my work with construction companies, where we help them double their profits in a year. And Melinda, you said one of my favorite things in the world in your intro, which is you love systems. And the way we do it is through changing their systems. And uh, frankly, delegation is just a system. It's the hardest skill, though, I believe a business owner will ever have to learn.
0: Why is it the most important thing and even the hardest? But why is it so important to learn this skill?
1: You cannot grow a business unless you know how to delegate. I mean, it's just that easy. I mean, there's about 28 million businesses in the United States. 21 million of them have no employees. And only 300,000 do more than $5 million in sales a year. So that shows there's not very many businesses that learn how to run a business and learn how to delegate. If you can't delegate, you can't work through others, which is what delegation actually is. And the truth is, most business owners get stuck somewhere between two and 10 employees. And you can manage 10 employees by yourself easily. You can even manage 25 employees by yourself, but there is no way you're going to go past 25 employees if you don't learn how to delegate. And most businesses never get past that. And my experience of watching them is that they've never learned how to delegate. They don't know how to do it. They've tried it. It didn't work. So they quit.
0: Now, I know that was my experience because when I started my business, I had a business partner. So it was the two of us on the org chart on every single spot on the org chart. It was us. One of our names went in that. And I had this big vision, and I knew I wanted to help thousands and thousands of coaches. And so Kate and I started off, and we could do so much in those early years. And then very quickly, I was like, wait a minute, we can't do everything all the time unless we want to shrink our goals. Then maybe we could, but we didn't want to shrink our goals. And so I was in this interesting place where I had been doing this for a couple of years, doing it well, pretty well. But it was time to grow. And so a lot of our listeners, they will call themselves, you know, solopreneurs. They're the entrepreneurs that, you know, a lot of them may never want 25 employees, but they might want two or three or four. Like what keeps business owners from delegating? I know that was a hard thing that I I was like, I don't even know what to delegate. I just know how to do it all. How does a business owner make that mindset shift?
1: There's two pieces, I think, that keep people from even doing delegation in the first place. And one is the most business owners I know don't really trust their employees very much. They don't trust them to do the right thing. They think that the employee is going to do the wrong thing. And the wrong thing that they're about to do is going to destroy their business. Now, that's the first myth. And the second piece, which leads into the first piece, is they don't really know how to manage mistakes. And that's a hugely important thing, because the truth is we don't learn anything when we do it right. Whatever you're trying to learn, you're going to make a zillion mistakes along the way trying to learn it. So the people who are good at delegating ask a very simple question when a mistake is made. They ask, what did we learn? And they don't let it go until the people they are working with said, this is what we learned," and it sounds like it's real. Now, if you focus on mistakes and how to correct mistakes and how to learn from mistakes, you're going to start to trust your people at a higher level because you realize this is just part of what it takes to grow anything, much less a business. So when you do that, it just really, really helps and it makes it easier to do so. But still, even when you do that, you as the delegator are either going to be a helicopter delegator, which means you look over someone's shoulder. Or you become the abdicating delegator, which is you tell someone to do something and you walk away and forget about it for two weeks. And you go back and you say, Oh, that wasn't done right. And you lose your temper or you blow up or maybe you don't even blow up. You just say, I just can't delegate because this person can't do it right. So there's a learning curve there. And it also is a thing that causes, in my opinion, lack of delegation, burnout in businesses. And there's an awful lot of private business owners out there that spend 80, 90% of the time out of their zone of excellence because they don't believe they can trust anyone else in the company. Does that make sense to you?
0: It totally does. And you know, another w- way that we hear this is entrepreneurs will say, well, you know, it's just quicker and easier if I do it myself. I've always done it. It's going to take too much time to teach somebody else. Is this part of those, they're not trusting somebody else or they don't know how to manage those mistakes or is there something else going on that's driving that comment?
1: Every time I hear that, it brings the old saw up, which is if I give you a fish, you eat for a day. If I teach you how to fish, you eat for your lifetime. And if I'm going to teach you how to fish, it's going to take some of my time. If I give you a fish, it takes no time at all. But I never get away from having to go out and catch the fish to give it to you. And it's the same thing in business. You know, If I teach you a skill or I teach you how to do something, it's going to take me some time to do that. I'm going to not be very good at it when I start. I may not have a way of systematize it. I may just tell you, and we don't document. There's lots of things that go wrong when I'm trying to teach you to do something as I'm learning how to be a teacher. But if I don't ever learn how to be a teacher, I am stuck doing those 15, 20, $25 jobs for my entire life. Now, the truth is most people in business, especially in the solopreneur world, which is really five employees and less, is that we spend so much time doing stuff that we're not very good at, and we're spending so much time doing things that we don't get paid any money for, that if we don't learn to delegate, we sort of limit what we can do and how we can do it and how we can serve those the best that we serve with.
0: So, Josh, one of the things that I've often seen with entrepreneurs, they're like, I know I need to delegate. I'm not sure how. I've never done it before. What do I delegate? How do they know what to delegate and where to start when they're first moving into this next part of their business?
1: Well, the exercise I like to see people do is an exercise that literally everybody hates. But it's one of the most valuable exercises I think you can do. And that's time blocking. Which you just take your calendar and you write down every 15 minutes what you do. And you write that down for two weeks. And after two weeks, you take a look at it. And you're going to find an awful lot of time that you're spending that would be better for somebody else to do. So you would have more time to serve your customers or to do whatever it is that makes your business and you unique. But you have to sort of get some data to start with to make that work.
0: I know when I did this, you're right. I did not like it. And they're like, you need to do this. It's just one of those things. And so I did it and I saw those patterns and it was still very fuzzy because I was so entrenched. I think it was within the second year when we started bringing on that first team member and started bringing on a bookkeeper and a virtual assistant. And I had this list and I'm like, okay, I think I know what to delegate. I'm not entirely sure. And I actually handed it over to our virtual assistant that we brought on. And she's like, let me have the list and I'll tell you what you should be doing and what you should not be doing. Because I couldn't see the forest for the trees. And so she helped me to see and identify those tasks. You shouldn't be doing those. These can be delegated. And then she trained me in items to delegate. And then I could see where is my zone of genius? Where do I need to be spending my time? And how do I do that? So is there another way, like once somebody has that list that they've written down everything they've done each day for two weeks, how do they begin to identify that? Does it take going to somebody outside? Will they see the patterns themselves? What are the first things they should start with?
1: Well, what I would recommend you do is you take that list after you've done it for a couple of weeks and you write down every activity that's on that list, what it would cost you to go hire someone to do that particular project or that particular activity. And you start with everything on that list that's under $15 an hour. And you hire a VA or you hire somebody to come in your office or you hire somebody for someplace to come in and take over all those jobs. Which means you have to train somebody on how to do all those jobs, which means you need to have a system for doing so.
0: And to remember to have that, like, wear the hat of the business owner, right? Not the technician, not the doer yourself, but to put on that hat of the business owner to have that long term vision. Like you said earlier, do I want to just keep on going out and catching fish to give to you, or do I actually want to teach you how to fish? And it takes a little bit of time up front. And then, It's freed from your plate, and you now can focus on other things. Now, let's look at the other side of it. When you become good at delegating, what happens to how you spend your time?
1: Well, you know, at that point, then you want to start doing what I call high-value work. Now, it might be high-value tactical work where you're working with clients. It might be high-value marketing work where you're trying to figure out how to make your business more visible to the world. It might be high-value strategic work where you're thinking about, gee, what would have to happen over the next five years for me to feel like I'm personally and professionally successful? Once you've written that down, then you get to start planning and saying, well, what has to happen for that to happen? You know, the truth is most business owners spend somewhere between 90 and 97% of their time doing tactical activities. If they're lucky, they spend 10% on strategic activities. And when you become a good delegator at first, you might get that 10% to become 15%. But your goal is to get at least 50% of your time working on strategic activities, which are working on your business, not working in your business, and having everybody else do all those working in the business stuff that you used to take up a lot of time And now you have time to really think deeply about what you need to do to serve your clients better and what you need to do about serving your business better.
0: When I think about delegating, there's some things that you delegate to another person and there's some things that you can delegate through automation. Can you talk about the difference between those?
1: That's a good point. I've really never thought a lot about that, but you're absolutely correct there are certain things that people need to do. For example, when we record our podcast, the only thing I do is I approve the guest. Everything else is managed through our project management system. And when it comes to doing the podcast itself, I show up, I record, I put the raw file up into our Dropbox, and our editors take it from there. And then our VAs post it when it's the right time, and they go on to YouTube and Facebook and write little things about what the live version is. So, you know, something that takes, you know, four or five or six hours only takes 35 minutes of my time. So there's a combination there of using technology in a way that's really important. You know, uh, for example, every Sunday at nine o'clock, there's an email that goes out which announces our podcast and the video for the week. I do absolutely nothing with that and neither does any of our VAs. It's set up in our software and it automatically does it every single week. And I don't have to think about it, which is a really kind of a cool use of technology.
0: That's one of the things that a lot of people will have to train their mind is it may not be that you always have to delegate to other people. And sometimes there's tasks that you can delegate. You may not have to hire somebody as an employee or a team member or a contractor, but your repetitive tasks, the things that you have to do every time week after week, person after person, client after client, like to be able to ask, where can I automate that? Because that's a form of delegation. It's clearing it off. So you're not doing that same thing over and over. So I find sometimes it's easy to find those points of automation, let that be the first level or a level of delegation, and then say, now, what does require people to be involved or maybe a more personal interaction or a more customized thing or task that has to be done? And that's where then another layer of delegation, Is about what people can help me do this. And so looking at that distinction, I think, can help us, like you said earlier, when you do that time-blocking exercise and you document what you're doing, what can you automate and what requires a person.
1: You know, one thing that I just recently heard again, which makes a lot of sense to me, is that technology is a really, really wonderful thing. But technology is not where you should start, in my opinion. I think that almost all systems that you do, you should run on paper and pencil and get the system to run right first, then automate it.
0: Wholeheartedly agree with that one.
1: Yes. It is such a big thing. It will save you so much time and heartache if you end up doing that. Because when you try to make stuff work automation, things can go wrong really easily and you have no idea where there's going wrong. If you do it manually, you're going to find out because you're doing each step manually what works, what doesn't work, or what needs to be modified.
0: Yeah. And the same is true with people. Like I will, I'll have a lot of entrepreneurs that I talk with. They're like, oh, I hate doing the books. I just need somebody to do it for me. And delegating does not mean sticking your head in the sand because as the business owner, you are responsible. Like you have to be informed so that you can manage what you delegate because you still have to oversee that person or that process and communicate and teach and then ask that question you said earlier, you know, what can we learn when something happens? How can we learn from it and do differently? So delegating does not mean stick your head in the sand because you don't like that task. It means taking responsibility, figuring it out, and then delegating it to somebody else or to streamline it or automate it.
1: You also just hit on a really important point, which is especially when it comes to bookkeeping. There are so few business owners that understand their numbers. It's really appalling. And, you know, I I, again, one of my stupid little sayings, when you go to France, what's the language you speak? Well, it's French. When you are in business, what's the language of business? That's finance. So if you're going to be in business, you need to spend some time learning where your numbers come from, how the numbers are created, and what they actually mean. And, you know, again, this is a form of delegation where you can go to your bookkeeper or you can go to your accountant and say, I want you to teach me how to read my statements so I can understand them.
0: Yeah. So why do so many business owners, they, maybe they start delegating, then they quit. Why is that a problem? Like, what are the lies that we tell ourselves?
1: It's easier to do it myself. You said that earlier. When I walk into a business or I start talking to a business owner, whether it's a one-person business or one with 100 people, they're going to tell me they've tried stuff and it doesn't work. What it means is they haven't been willing to make enough mistakes to make it work. So when we get uncomfortable, a lot of times we just plainly quit. But just because you have great expertise in an area doesn't mean you're going to be great at running a business. It's a skill you have to work at it, you have to read the books, you have to go to the courses, you have to take the online courses. You know, most coaches are experts and are really, really, really smart. And they like complicated stuff. Well, businesses should not be complicated. Businesses should be simple. And it's a hard thing to get over that, gee, you know, the stuff I do with others is really complicated, but Now I have to make things simple and easy in what I do? Well, that doesn't make sense to me.
0: What is the most important thing to focus on when you hire anyone to start working in your business?
1: Your values, number one. There's no question about that. And if you don't start with values, now, you know, people say, well, I need to have the technical skills. Absolutely. If you're a 10 at bookkeeping and a five on my values, I'm not hiring you. Because you might just become what I call a brilliant jerk, which is you're really technically competent, but you destroy the culture of the company and you make everybody else's lives absolutely 100% miserable. Almost anybody I know who's built a business has had at least one brilliant jerk in the company. And they've had a real problem getting rid of them because we think we can make brilliant jerks fit in and we almost never can.
0: Now, in preparation for this episode, I read about your... First mentor and his practice of EIA, which stands for Expect, Inspect, Accept. Could you talk about that and why it's important with this topic of delegation?
1: Yeah, it's like the beginner's method of delegation. It's so easy. I keep forgetting to talk about. It. So thank you for bringing it up. Essentially, what you do is you set an expectation. So I say, Melinda, I would like you to take over our social media posting, and this is what I want you to do. And then I might wait for three or four or five days, and then I'll go back and I'll say, Melinda, how are we doing on that? And you're going to tell me what you're doing. And I would likely say, you know, Melinda, that's pretty good, but there's four or five things we need to adjust. So we make those adjustments. Then I go away and I have reset the expectation. And then I might come back a few days later and inspect it again. And I see that, gee, we're 97% there and there's two things that need to be fixed. So we talk about the two things that need to be fixed, and I go back as so we reset the expectation, and then we come back and inspect. Now, that final inspection where everything is being done right, then I'm going to say, Melinda, I would like you to document what you're doing so others can learn also. So that last inspection, again, you set up an expectation and you go back and you do an inspection, and that last inspection is to make sure the documentation is actually what you would like to see done. When that is done, then you accept the work and you move on. So the expectation part is easy. The inspect part is really hard because it's never going to be right the first time you look at it. And the accept part is easy. So you have to realize you go E-I-E-I-E-I-E-I-E-I-A.
0: Yeah, I love how simple that is. Just break it down, focus, now josh let's summarize because we have talked about quite a bit on this topic so you first took us through two key things that prevent people from delegating they don't trust that employee or team member that might cause harm to their business or they don't know how to manage mistakes and that's really the mindset shift to make is to be able to identify and learn from our mistakes to be able to ask the question what did we learn Because the lack of delegation, that's where burnout happens. And you took us through an amazing exercise with time blocking and listing out what you do over two weeks and then looking at what it would cost you to hire somebody and then documenting what you delegate so that you really know where to start delegating and what to delegate first. And we looked at how you can delegate maybe to people or how you might delegate to automation. But first you've gotta have those systems down They've got to be working and then you can look to automate it. And we talked about how delegating does not mean stick your head in the sand and ignore everything so somebody else can do it because you've got to take responsibility and you've got to manage what you delegate. And the biggest lie that we all tell ourselves is that it's just easier to do it ourselves. And that's where we stop and start and limit our growth. And that it really is all about we're not willing to make enough mistakes to make it better. I love that it's really about making mistakes because as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, the more mistakes we make, the better we learn. You either win or learn. It's not win or fail. And you talked about the importance of when you bring somebody onto your team that you need to focus on values. And I loved the EIA process that you took us through, especially as when you're first beginning to delegate and to expect, inspect, and accept. Josh, thank you so much for this topic. Do you have any parting words to share to our listeners?
1: Yeah, be true to yourself. Make sure you understand what's important for you and build your company around that and others will follow you there.
0: Beautiful. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. And also a big thank you to Josh for this great conversation about delegation, when to start doing it, and how to navigate it. You can find out more about him at sustainablebusiness.co. That's sustainablebusiness.co. Josh, thank you so much for coming to the show.
1: Thanks, Melinda. It was really a pleasure, and it was a whole lot of fun.
0: I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. Just Between Coaches is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Course Lab and Making It. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. I wrote this episode with Mishi Lance. Mishi assembled the episode. Danny Eni is our executive producer, and post-production was by Post Office Sound. To receive future episodes, please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now, And if you like the show, please give us a starred review. It's a great way to help us get connected to more listeners.
2: Miracy. And so the tailor, having gathered together the beautiful scraps, began to sew. He stitched and he sewed and he sewed and he stitched. And by the morning time, he had made himself a beautiful coat. Now when he wore his coat into the market, everyone admired it so much that the tailor decided to wear the new coat everywhere. And that's what he did. He wore it and wore it and wore it until it was all worn out. Or was it?
1: In each episode of Once Upon a Business, Lisa shares a fairy, folk, or traditional tale and then extracts rich business lessons that are applicable for entrepreneurs, coaches, and course creators.
2: Stories always take us on a journey from one place to the next. Sometimes this journey is literal, sometimes it's metaphorical, but always we find ourselves transformed. This story, The Tailor's Coat, originating from Europe, takes us through a literal transformation of the pieces of cloth and yet somehow teaches a powerful lesson. It does speak to a common entrepreneurial journey. Many of us start out working for someone else and give them everything we've got. Perhaps the tailor finally deciding to make something for himself is similar to the entrepreneurial desire to begin to create a business for ourselves. We take the scraps, the skills that we've developed, the experience that we've gained, and we launch our own business. I think it's an incredibly important skill for an entrepreneur, for anybody running a business, to be able to know that creating something out of nothing is always possible. And it's often the way forward because it's out of the scraps of what's been done before. It's out of almost the missing pieces that are not quite there that we can actually bring our creativity and bring our determination and bring our vision to create something really wonderful, really brand new and really beautiful. And then we can walk around the town with it. You know, we can be proud. We can step out and we can wear it until it's almost worn out, but not quite
1: To hear more of Lisa's stories and learn the deep lessons they carry, make sure you subscribe to Once Upon a Business wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you every other week with a brand new episode.